Awaken Beauties, finally, it's here. The truth to empower women to true inner beauty through a healthy mind and inner biology. I am your hostess, Cassandra Keel, a 20-year salon owner, organic beauty product formulator, positive mind management, and clinical hypnotherapist. And I am here to help you stay sane, get sleep, and bring your sexy back. Sponsored by evokebeauty.com. EVOQBeauty.com. Now, let's get to it. Welcome to the Awaken Beauty Podcast. This is Cassandra, your neuroenergetic ADHD coach, clinical hypnotherapist, and biofeedback practitioner. And today we have Miss Judy Lipson joining us. Now, I wanted to just pop right in before the episode starts and let you know that Judy and I, as though we are energetic beings and we love to talk about energy and specifically around ADHD, anxiety, and neurodiversity and energy in today's podcast, we stretch out into the outer realms of the energetic field, but unfortunately we had a little bit of an internet issue. So most of the episode is loud and clear, and there are some parts that I just go ahead and interject in as I was sharing the conversation at the same time in Clubhouse. So enjoy today's episode. I just love Judy Lipson's heart so much, and we will definitely be having her back on the podcast. We'll go more in depth when we have more um, bandwidth on our internet connection. But this starts to stretch into a lot of my research, a lot of the research that she has had as a clinician for over 20 years, really starting to tap into the story around energy or energetic well-being and how it lays over into the special gifts and or the commonalities between individuals with ADHD, autism, anxiety, and what really is going on underneath the surface. It's a fascinating conversation. More to come on this topic. Couldn't be more excited to bring you Judy Lipson today. And again, I look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Enjoy the episode. Chat. Now, more times than not, do you easily get overwhelmed by strong sensory inputs like smells, the way fabrics feel on your body and sounds you easily pick up? Or do you seem to be aware of subtleties in your environment that others don't? And do other people's moods affect you to the tune of little do they know you can read the energy like an open book? Lastly, are you or someone you know diagnosed with ADHD? autism, or other spectrums of a neurodiverse mind. Now, if you said yes to any of these, you may be a highly sensitive person, but there's more to this story. And after I connected the dots to my own late adult ADHD tendencies, there's a common, highly sensitive, energetic nuance that threads through so many high-powered and successful individuals that have ADHD, which can be a superpower, but also your kryptonite. So what is a HSP? 
a highly sensitive person. Now, the term is coined by the clinical psychologist Elaine Aaron in 1991 to describe a personality trait that is present in 30% of the population. Now, that's approximately 80 million women and men in the United States. And an HSP refers to those with a sensitive central nervous system and increased awareness of physical, emotional, and social stimulus in their environment. But today's conversation is beyond just HSPs. Research is finally taking notice to the energetic body and its complexities with a wide variety of professionals like our guest, Judy Lipson, and even the start of my own research through the lens of my quantum biofeedback, hypnotherapy, and functional medicine background. And my friends, it all comes back to energy. So let's go ahead and just jump in. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Julie and we'll start today's interview. Now, Judy Libson, I have to tell you, when I found her website, I felt like I had found another sister and she's a licensed professional counselor and former special educator who began her private practice, Spiral Wisdom in 2002 to work with kids and adults of all ages who are sensitives which means they're highly attuned to the five senses, energy, intuition, and empathy. She is a writer, speaker, clinician, and educational consultant who teaches about metaphysics, transformation, and how to engage the gifts of being sensitive while minimizing the challenges so that they can experience quality of life over a lifetime. With that being said, welcome, Miss Judy, to the Awaken Beauty podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. I love the introduction. I love your own experience and how you came across Elaine Aaron and her HSPs. And as you indicated in the bio, I seem to just call this group that includes me sensitives. Mm-hmm. And yeah. would you like me to talk about why I call us sensitives? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think there's so many terms that are being thrown around. And, you know, I think that when we use the word sensitive today, it can really be this basket of all things, but it really does come back to the nuances. So I would love, I would love to hear just about your background and how you intuitively you know, yourself maybe are one or started to see it in the dynamics of your work. Kind of take us back to uh, when you had your personal download and how that changed your work. Oh, that's multiple questions there. Um, So I have probably always been an empath and intuitive, and I'm sure that I was quite sensitive. I don't know that I realized so much of that when I was a child. I just felt like I didn't fit in. I didn't know how to accept myself. Um, My adult journey has been about learning to accept who I am and understand who I am much better. Um, My understanding of sensitives kind of happened in two parallel different time frames. And one was that I noticed that when I, uh, it was either during the pregnancy of my first child or the after the birth of my first child as we sometimes hear, my whole system changed. And I was suddenly very um, sensitive to medications, to certain foods, to the uh, uh, 
odors and fragrances in the air and so many different things like that. Um, so there was that piece and trying to figure out, am I okay? And people, of course, using the, the pejorative way of, you're so sensitive, what's the mm -hmm. matter with you kinds of stuff. So when I talk about being sensitive and I talk about it with my clients or with my audiences when I'm teaching, um, I talk in terms of, yes, we are, you know, we're sensitive, but it's not like, oh, you're so sensitive. It's not that kind. It's something to be embraced and understood. And I guess I mostly began to understand it working with my students. Um, the vast majority of my educational years were working in a high school. So I had kids who were very rural and little by little by little, I began to recognize their own sensory challenges. I also was learning a lot about autism at the time, but I realized that, wait a minute, we learn about being uh, tactily sensitive through autism and other sensory awarenesses, but I'm seeing all these students and yo myself who has similar or, or same sensory issues and yet we're not on the spectrum. So that's when I kind of came up with this continuum that I look at, the continuum of sensi sensitives where one or five, one, one or more of the five senses are highly attuned. So for instance, visual. A person who's really visually sensitive would look at either one of our uh, locations and mine is much busier than yours. I just put up my, my paintings and so forth and I came in here and I love it and it's yet, it's really busy. That's not a bad thing, but a person who's highly visually sensitive is going to come and see all of it without being able to, um, to tune that out necessarily. Auditory uh, sensitive people typically are highly attuned to sound and either they're hearing sounds that others don't hear, like the student who told me he was hearing the TV in his chemistry class. And I was like, the teacher's got the TV on while she's teaching. And he says, well, no, it's not on, but I can hear it. And I realized what he meant was when the cable feed is turned off, but the TV is still left on, you've got that high pitched sound. Other people with auditory sensitivities hear sounds and it hurts them more, more sensitive to those sounds than others. Um, and literally it can cause pain. I had a client once who contacted me and she needed to interview me over the phone, but not for the traditional, are you the right kind of therapist for me? But in addition, does my voice pattern cause her discomfort? Um, third is senses, smells, um, scents, smells. And this could be to any kind of fragrance or chemical odors. Um, fourth, and these are in no special order, Fourth is uh, taste, which usually only parents know about. These are kids or adults who avoid certain tastes or textures, particularly in the mouth. And then the fifth one is that tactile, not liking the tags in the back, not liking the um, appliques, certain fabrics, uh, the seams in socks, wearing shoes, a tight or even a traditional waistband with, with, with buckle and uh, zipper, for instance.
So as I started to really talk to my students and, and really get a handle of who I am, I began to realize that, oh, and most of the individuals who are highly attuned to one or more of the five senses also seem to be very empathic, which led me to realize there's sympathy. Oh, I feel so bad for you. That must've been so difficult. And then there's empathy. Oh, I can imagine how challenging that was for you. And an empath, we feel it in our own body. We feel the energy of the anger, the frustration, the anxiety, the fear, the overwhelm of others, in addition to the stuff that we're dealing with ourselves. And some empaths are so attuned that they even feel physical sensations of others like pain. Yeah, I think you're right on with, with the, um, with the empath. And, you know, I'd like to just dive into that for a second. Um, you know, just like spirituality, I think a lot of these different words can be really over sensationalized and, you know, everybody's now diagnosed an empath. Um, and so I, I have some nuanced thoughts on this and I'd love to just kind of chat with you about it. You know, as a clinical hypnotherapist, um, there's, to me, there's some nuances here around consciousness. And what I've found in my own practice is that sometimes, especially if you are a little bit more on the neurodiverse side, you're very much more imaginative in your mind, which we call somnambulism in hypnotherapy, which is kind of that constant daydreaming. And when we're back in the back of the mind and we're kind of sitting back there, um, we're not fully present. And so it can kind of take us off the radar and turn up our, our feeling sensories, but it also can lock us into old memories or rumination or what have you, which it then becomes, is it, are you an empath or do you have a lot of, um, not very good emotional regulation on the pe with the people that you're around and how you interact with them. And with empathy, you know, I think there's a nuance between having empathy and being an empath. And there's, there's an astuteness and a, um, maturity about being a really healthy empath and really using that, um, with, good boundaries, as well as using it to your advantage to be able to regulate your energy, but it can often, um, slip into being an excuse or, or not managed. Well, you will experience a lot of pain. And, you know, I was in a clubhouse room one day and this very intuitive, um, spiritual healer, he reached out to me and he said, you know, I want to give you a warning. And he said that you work, I can see that you work with a lot of individuals and you'll relate to this. And he said, you're slipping into sympathy, not empathy. And when you slip into sympathy for people, that energy is so much stronger to seep into your energy and you take on that energy. And it really helped me clear up my own energy of saying, okay, I'm empathic but I also have my boundaries and I'm also respectful of what I can pick up and what I have to then leave with you. Um, so I just wanted to maybe see, you know, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think the key thing here is boundaries. Yeah. Um, and most or most or many, but maybe most folks who are more empathic have really crummy boundaries. 
-hmm. It's our society doesn't teach boundaries real well. Um, it's not modeled and uh, revered necessarily. And we who are more empathic and attuned to the emotions and energies of our environment are picking up more stuff anyway. And, you know, like you were saying, I guess, that's one of the key things that I find is a key part of my practice is being available to those who are highly attuned to help them learn how to use the superpower and not get bogged down in the challenges of it all, because it can be very challenging. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've had a couple people who are extremely intuitive and aware, and they're like, I don't want any of that Lipson, you know, make that go away. And I'm like, not so sure we can, but let's work with it. Yeah, and in to your- learn how to, um, things like, and I, I'm sorry, were you wanting to ask me something? Nope. We just got a little bit of unstable. So why don't you, um, just take a breath here. There we go. We got you. So you were leading off with things like. So, um, I even, I even worked with a munchkin one time. He was at the time, I think about nine years old. And he was feeling the presence, let's say, of, um, of energy uh, in the evening. And it was making him very uncomfortable because he was tired and he wanted to go to sleep in his bedroom. And we had to talk about the fact that we learn boundaries. We learn verbal boundaries. You can't talk to me that way. Not acceptable. We learn physical boundaries. This is my space. I loved um, uh, um, Dirty Dancing. This is my dance space. This is your dance space. We hold a separate space. Um, and so again, our society has crummy boundaries in, in general, but at least we know how You, I learned, and she was talking about, look, this is my time on stage and I will open myself to the, uh, to the beings and the relatives who are interested in communicating, but only at a certain time, maybe an hour or so before my presentation with the audience, not all day long, not all week long, not all life long. I'm on duty, I'm off duty. So it was a simple ish kind of a thing of explaining to this young boy. Um, and so just like we do these kinds of boundaries of you can be with me, you can't, you can do this, send them out of your room. And we, we role play. So we opened up my door of my office and um, he said, you can't be in here now. This is my bedtime. He closed the door. I said, how's that feeling? He says, I think it'll be good. And when I saw him the next time I said, so how's it going? He says, it's great. That's great. And yeah. that's part two of what I love about these little kids is they are so clear and so aware. We just need to teach. And I see a lot of adults too, who are able to pick it up that quickly, but the munchkins, they're incredible. It's just second nature. It's like, oh, nobody ever told me that. Okay, boom, they've got it. That's great. So I think the key 
it, like you said, Cassandra is boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's on top of that, just with the society that we live in today and the compound effect of the energy, um, what's going on globally, that sensory overload can be very overwhelming Mm -hmm. to the body. And if you don't have the tools or the recognition or the awareness of what is mine and what is yours and what is the globe, it can get really, really overwhelming and people go into shutdown. And I think that we're really, we have seen that we are seeing that, but let's tie in some of the nuances and the, and the crossover to individuals with trauma, uh, ADHD, autism, this very energetic piece. Now, to me, when I explain ADHD, it's very much a frequency, therefore, in the brain and how your how your vibration is and what you can pick up. You have very, very fast thoughts, you're always running ahead of people. Um, and so there's this very sensitive awareness aspect that we have to learn how to, again, create boundaries around. But then there's pieces around trauma in how a lot of these um, nuances of the, uh, let's just call them symptoms can be equivalent to being an HSP. So maybe you could share a little bit about that. So, um, my daughter is a licensed psychologist and she did her dissertation on the, the recognition of how, uh, ADHD and anxiety can be intertwined, can be one or the other. We have a lot of individuals with anxiety who get diagnosed with ADHD and some vice versa. Right. Um, And you're right. I see see a lot of individuals with uh, the diagnosis or the qualities and characteristics of ADHD, um, which I often think it's a sensory thing. In fact, so, so let's see a couple of things. Um, there was a uh, ADHD expert who came to talk to us at my school years ago. And she explained that ADHD and its weirdness is the, a part of the brain that's going to sleep, which is why stimulant medications do so well, because you're waking up the part of the brain that's kind of shutting down and is going away for a while. And so she explained that we who are adults, she says, imagine, because kids don't have the great filters. They just kind of are. You think something, you say it. You feel something, you talk about it, you do it. But she explained that, like, if I, as an adult, am having to sit at a, um, a staff meeting, a meeting with my boss, and I didn't sleep well the night before, or I'm not feeling very well, and I'm going to be wiggling because I really want to go to sleep. My body wants to go to sleep. So how do I keep myself awake, but be polite? Is I shift positions. I might doodle a little bit. I get moving. And that's what we see in ADHD kids. Now, I took a trauma class and uh, Bessel van der Kolk, uh, who's a premier expert in the area of trauma, I'm sure you know that, it was explaining that motion moves emotion. So if, you know, one of the ways, again, to look at things like ADHD differently is to recognize that if you've got all this stuff going on inside the body, 
and I look at it uh, from a sensory point of view. Um, if, if a child or an adult has lots of stuff going on with sensory input, the body can only take so much and it wants to release it, to disperse and dispel it. And it does that best with movement, which could be a very, maybe not completely, but could be a very good explanation for hyperactivity. Um, I affectionately call my intuitive uh, opportunities um, the voice in my head, or if I'm being more honest, spirit. And one day I was going to a presentation and I had some notes and I asked spirit as I always do before I am meeting with a client or, or speaking. And I said, is there something special that you want me to do or no? And, and I heard, yeah, we want you to explain about ADHD this way. And I was like, Ugh. and the hyperactivity version they explained is that extra tension that's happening in the body that needs to be released. And the inattentive aspects of ADHD is the, uh, the being's desire to be home, to go back to that calm, quiet space that if any of us meditate, we get to, we get to experience Judy, we've got a leg here, so I'm just going to go ahead and let the internet just kind of reboot up here. Floaty and relaxation. Oh, neuro Did it break up? Yeah, there we go. I'm sorry. That's okay. We're having a little bit of technical issues today, but yeah, you're just kind of explaining through the inattentive and the attentive different nuances around ADHD and energy management. And, you know, there's many, many books out there. I know Ned Hollowell with 2.0 is, is very, very much astute and calling it vast, which is, you know, really variable attention, um, stimulus trait. And I really love that because this is really more than just ADHD. It's this vast, um, let's just call it bucket of different nuances of how our nervous system is really built. And so, you know, even going back to with ADHD and the hunter farmer theory, you know, we have this hyper vigilant nervous system already because we're quote unquote, kind of more on the side of being that very hunter type, which again, then just puts your hyper vigilance on hyper awareness. And, you know, I, I firmly believe that this is again, a layover of not being able to manage um, emotional regulation, small T and big T traumas. And, you know, we're, there's something to it when we say that there's four times more adults being diagnosed with ADHD today than there are children. And I think you and I could probably agree that it's not 
ADHD in itself and alone. It's really the shutdown of the executive function and the essence of being in a world that's in constant overwhelm and going through emotional distress at a global level. Um, you know, mental health is something that we really, really, really need to start paying attention to. And I think you and I both agree that at the fundamental level, everything is energy and everything starts with energy. And so, instead of labeling, right? Like I, I love how we can kind of pull in now, like the brain scans and, and a lot of this is now being studied in, in a psycho psychology that we can now say, yes, it is an actual trait. Now, whether it's in the DSM or not, I don't care. Everything comes back to sovereignty of being able to regulate your energy. Um, not allowing people to take over your power and being very astute to who you give your power to. And that includes all of these words that we throw around, like I'm an empath or I'm ADHD or my ADHD brain. Uh, it's very damaging. You know, it's, it's okay, cool. Like what are, what are those diagnostics? And okay, I'm, I can, I can, really affinitize with that, but that is not me, just like I am not my brain and not my body, but I am an energetic being. And so just that self-awareness with these neurodiverse pieces here is to me where everybody needs to start because you can't throw a planner or a timer or a bunch of dings on your watch to try to manage you like a robot. It makes the person go right off the radar and let alone we're already rebels. And it's like, that is, that is not the first step. That is the, the most debilitating thing that you can do to someone is tell them that they're defective and then throw a bunch of planners and tactics at them. Like it is a very regulatory vagus nerve sense of safety in that body first and foremost. And that's for anyone, right? That's the piece that I feel has gotten so lost and I had been working as a counselor for years uh, and no one had really explained to me because counseling and therapy was primarily always about your thoughts and your emotions. Right. And there was very little conversation about the body. And it wasn't until my friend and colleague dragged me to a trauma conference and I said, I don't want to talk about trauma. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're cutting out again, my friend. Oh, we lost you, my friend. So as you come back on, I'm just going to go ahead and um, just kind of pipe in. You know, we're talking about trauma and just. well as other nuances as far as mental health and really getting to the bottom of this discussion of starting to desigmatize all of the labels that we use and really starting to tap into the bottom root. And while DSMs are important, there's also another part of the story here that needs to be discussed. So that's what we're talking about today. And as a clinical hypnotherapist and do a lot of um, now coaching with ADHD individuals, you know, there's a lot of layover here. When we talk about energy and the energetic impact. And so 
things to pay attention to would be such as for children, tantrums and meltdowns. You know, as you think about a child, the number one thing that is important for children is to be able to feel safe. And when you don't grow up in a safe atmosphere, you have sensory overload and a child, a baby will literally die if they cannot protect their energy. And so when we start to really understand sensitives and tantrums and meltdown, it is a response from the body and the baby and being a child, not able to tap in and start to self-regulate itself and be able to see, you know, feel safe and calm. Same with social situations, um, behavioral effects with families and parents. Are you ready to hear me? Oh, yep, absolutely. You're logging back on. So I was just uh, having a little bit of chat with everybody in Clubhouse. Good. Right. Um, hopefully you can hear me. Uh, you can start my video if you think it's safe. Nope, let's go ahead and we'll just keep your spiral on, which is the okay. theme of your business. And so, you know, Judy, I was just sharing with um, sharing with the audience here, you know, just the, you know, just the, also the nuance here with PTSD and ASD and tantrums and meltdowns um, with children. And, you know, sharing that when a child literally cannot protect its own energy and it's going into a very, very intense stress state by picking up the energy in the household is that can be, you know, evidence of a later tantrum or meltdown that is a patterned body recognition of not being able to protect itself energetically. And so it shuts down. So at a very young age, we're taught to pick up some of these mannerisms. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, Coincidentally, uh, it was either last month or the month before as part of my newsletter, I have an article on my website called Big T, Little T Tantrums. I have an article on my website, uh, Tantrums versus Meltdowns, to help explain to people and help them to understand. Unfortunately, we take things personally as parents, educators, adults, whoever the care person is. And most of the time, and it's possible that it's nearly all the time, but at least most of the time, it's not about tantrum, it's not about manipulation, it's about self-protection. Right. And when we can shift our thinking about that, so we can look at this child, whether we're talking about, and most people don't um, misjudge infants, but occasionally it happens, but toddlers, preschoolers, autism folks, um, all the way through adulthood, if we look at it as a self-protection model, as the body is needing to release, the being doesn't know how else to let go of this stuff. And it's meltdown, it is not tantrum. And so the way that we respond to it then has to be so different. It's not a punitive, it's a support. It's giving them space and giving them a safe environment to release. And then coming in afterwards when the amygdala hasn't completely blown the thinking part of the brain offline and come back in and be able to talk to them about what happened. How might we be able to address this differently in the future? Let's brainstorm, let's role play, let's model. And I'm always teaching the adults in the situation, 
it's our job to look at the antecedents, all those activities that came before. And sometimes you can, you can draw the line for that antecedent, that trigger to something that happened instantly before. And sometimes it happened when the kid came off the bus in the morning or when they woke up or when mom and dad were annoyed with them or they got annoyed. It, it isn't always directly in before. There are so many pieces of the puzzle to be looking at. And that's part of my role, I think, is to look at those pieces and inform and educate. Yeah, I really love what you're doing, Judy. I mean, parents, not only, but also schools and organizations, you know, there's a lot of information out there about trauma-informed, but it is about the antecedents. And it, it really is about stepping in. And I've read that article. And so I, I really encourage people to go to that. And I'll share it in my show notes is to really step into their shoes, to really step into their, their experience and, you know, ask the question, what happened to them versus why are you acting this way? Stop it. It's yeah. very two inquisitive ways to really tap into and allow them to connect their own dots on, well, I'm, I'm really upset about yesterday X, Y, Z. And little do they know they're still carrying it with them, ruminating in the back of their head, and they just need to process it, get it out, talk about it. And a lot of these ADHD, autistic, um, sensitive, you know, even though you may be an introvert, it's very, very good to use your voice and to be able to energetically to talk about it and to get it out and dislodge it from the body. Um, Brett Baum is just such an incredible person too. You should really look at his stuff. Is talks about the holographic body and how these, what you're talking about, like these small little triggers and the traumas get stored in the body and they get glitched because the emotional resonance of the frequency in the body goes to like a nine and then it temporarily goes off glitch to a, a 12 and it becomes a little snapshot of the hologram stuck into the tissue of the body, right? So the body knows, which we know from other books, um, is that it really gets stored. And so as adults, you know, it behooves us not to go in and kind of do that work to dislodge that trauma, those memories and things of that nature from the body so that we can regulate our energy more fluidly and more freely. So I think energy hygiene is really important. I agree. And I love that explanation of the holographic model because wow. it, it adds an extra piece to the story that I had never recognized before. The way I describe it is, because I've seen this firsthand with so many of my students, um, if we are discussing, you know, mom comes in and explains, or the kid comes in and explains that they had a big blow up, a big meltdown, and I ask them, let's go back and talk about it. Let's see what happened, because that's how we learn. We discuss it. The problem is these individuals, sorry, these individuals frequently can't then separate as soon as they start them remembering, they instantly go back into the feeling of it, which now I see is the holographic model of it. Mm -hmm. And now they're there and they're offline again. They're getting just as angry and we are not accomplishing what we had intended. So this is cool. I got to think more about how to break the hologram. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love that. And you know, it even gets even more fun because a lot of the research, if you really get back down to the biological process then is, you know, that's why like EMDR, which I know you know about, um, you know, by doing the 
the desensitizing, whether it's through hypnotherapy or EMDR, some of these other somatic practices, is you're, you're dislodging acetylcholine in the body, which then breaks up these energetic resonances that are stored in the body. And so, you know, what we're talking about here, the scientific community can no longer ignore. So it's just people like you that have the experience to help schools and organizations to really step into this position and start to put all these antecedents together and start to really ask the deeper questions for these children, especially, right? So I just love the work that you do. And so I really- Thank you. I think the field is really exciting. We, we, many of us are, we're the brainstormers. Brainstormers. We are the way showers of a whole, whole new way of looking at things. And unfortunately, we have these folks who say, show me the science. I don't want anecdotal records. I want scientific principle. And thankfully, a number of people are creating that. It's frustrating for me because it's behind what I see as clarity, but I'm glad to see that it is developing and it is developing. People are seeing it, but we got to get the word out, which is what I try and do and kind of normalize this whole energetic metaphysics so that people who have very little metaphysical understanding or even thought they were interested can oftentimes sit and listen and go, oh, I hadn't thought about it that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, even stretching from children and even going into adults, you know, um, 70, they say emotional regulation equivalates to 75% of someone not being able to be successful in their career, blowing up their entrepreneurial pursuits. Um, you know, emotional regulation and energy regulation are two and one of the same. And so for constantly going back and dipping into that holographic body, um, the body's always going to want to protect itself from, you know, what you know, the amygdala response. And I know that, you know, like, because you spoke to it when you flip your lid, right? Back to Peter Levine is, is when you exactly. flip your lid. Yeah. So if people... That. You know, if people can see it, you know, the hands, you've got the amygdala, you've got like this old brain part, and then you've got the midbrain and then the forebrain, which is the cortex. Well, if your cortex is calm and you're able to walk around and think and be able to bounce things out that are right and true for you, and if you get glitched in that trigger, something triggers in your sensory experience, you're not even thinking it because the amygdala brain goes on board before your thinking brain does, you flip your leg. And so you can't rationally think through what you need to do in response to the situation or a conversation or what have you. So going back to 75% of your pursuits can be absolutely derailed if you don't have good emotional regulation, especially if you're an empath. Um, it's really, really important to be a part of a community that understands you, that can talk through things that maybe you can't explain to your family or a group of friends. Yeah. No question. Yeah. I think, you know, if you ask any of us who are the sensitives of the world, um, who are energy aware, who are empathic, whatever terminology we give to it, mm -hmm. we have those groups of friends. I have people who really don't even know about much of this. I have a friend who she's in a space where she can hear me talk about some of the really cool, but one might consider very weird things that I do and experience. And when she hears about it, she always just says, you are definitely my most interesting friend. <laughs> and I said, if you come across another most interesting friend, you've got to introduce us. 
because it is important that we have those individuals of like mind because it's hard, we feel alone. We feel isolated sometimes. And depending on the age and the experience and how much that, that hits, that could be a really challenging piece of that puzzle for some of these individuals, for some of us. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you so much, Judy. So, you know, one thing that you're doing right now, and, and I think we're both really passionate about is getting the information out there. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about kind of what, what you're doing right now professionally and however we can bless you or anything else that you would want to share with us today. Thanks. Um, so I have a monthly newsletter. Um, I, uh, it, it used to be called the Spiral Wisdom Newsletter. And when uh, the pandemic hit last March a year ago, I realized that while I still work with the kids and the adults and do the counseling and um, so much of it is the same, I also see my role as way more about transformation, the bigger transformation of how can we use this time where we see systems all around and who am I in the midst of that? I hope I didn't freeze. Um, so my new newsletter um, of transformation comes out every month, usually on the first. Um, there's a link in the chat for people to sign up. It's also on my website. Um, and it's, uh, it's an opportunity to learn about sensitives. I still write articles about autism, ADHD, kids, educational pieces. I am a resource person like crazy. Yeah, I love that. Me too. I'm re I can resource out sometimes. <laughs> I love speaking to groups. I speak. I speak um, pretty much at Association of School Social Workers. Um, I have spoken to a pediatric office about helping them to have a physical space that was adept and easy, comfortable for our, our kids who um, are very sensory aware. Um, that was awesome. Uh, also a visual optome optometry group I spoke to. So uh, parents, educational groups, um, uh, intermediate school districts call me and sometimes school districts, youth assistants. And on my newsletter, it's always got where I've been hired to be able to speak and I'm looking for as many opportunities as I can and to do webinars like this and so forth. I've got probably a dozen or more already made presentations that run anywhere from an hour to a whole day and always developing more. Awesome. Well, I love it, Judy. And, and uh, I'm preparing a summit for um, just ADHD and looking at the, the surroundings of the obvious of the DSM and, and really looking at it through a new lens. And you're definitely awesome. invited. Um, you know, we can maybe do a separate workshop as well, just to really get your information out there. So for anybody listening, you know, if you're really looking for someone that knows her stuff, um, first and foremost, go to her blog. She has hundreds and hundreds of articles that are really well thought out. Um, it's not just hyperbole of what she thinks. It's, it's just really, really thought out. And it's the first time that I found, um, other than, you know, Elaine Aaron and some other individuals that really 
is really under the radar, but really knows her stuff. And, you know, I, I always think about it with entrepreneurship or the hockey stick where you kind of come down and then the acceleration is at the right time in the right place. And you really are at the right time in the right place. And I feel I am as well to make this impact. Um, so I just really want to thank you for all the work that you've done. I will absolutely put everything in the show notes, um, prep everything. And I do want to apologize. We had a little bit of... Um, a little bit of some sketchy internet today. Apparently it's maybe too hot in Minnesota and, and too cold <laughs> over in your end, but. Um, yeah, yes. over here, hot over there. And, and we're having this great energy conversation and, and everything's trying to align maybe. But yeah. this was awesome. Thank you for recognizing my work and all of your encouragement and sharing me with your audience. Um, I look forward to being able to attach this to my, oh, I also have a Facebook page. Um, one is under Judy Lipson and the other one is under Spiral Wisdom. Um, the Judy Lipson one gets more stuff. Awesome. Well, we will definitely direct them there, my friend. You've got a spiral as a face right now, which I love spiral dynamics and energy. It has meaning to it as well. So I just appreciate you so much. I wish you a wonderful rest of your afternoon. And uh, I'm sure we'll be connecting with you very soon. And for everybody that have joined us on the Awaken Beauty podcast, just like Judy, it is also my just so much passion right now to really help, you know, highly driven individuals that have these nuances that are very energetically sensitive to really start to pinpoint how we can protect our energy, use it as our biggest guidance, as our wisdom, and uh, take that ill feeling in the gut to really turn it into empowered state. So Judy, thank you again. Um, and everybody listen to the Awaken Beauty podcast. Until next time, stay sane, get sleep, and always bring your sexy back. Well, hello, Awaken Beauty. Thank you so much for joining the show today. Were you inspired? Please leave a comment or your own personal aha moment so others can capture exactly what you did. Also, please like and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you're interested in high quality natural products for your hair, skin, and wellness, including organic, CBD, please visit evokebeauty.com. Again, that is evokebeauty.com, evokebeauty.com. And until next time, darling, stay sane, get sleep, and bring your sexy back. Mm -hmm.